0: Again, it's hard to sit with pain or discomfort. It's like, I'd rather not feel that. I'd rather think about something else. I'd rather do something else. I'd rather ignore and push it away. But we know if we do that, usually things don't just get better magically on their own, especially in the pelvis for whatever reason. It seems like the longer we wait and the more we push it away, it just kind of gets more and more chronic and like it solidifies in its pattern. and then we try to address it down the road and it gets even harder. So I always tell people like the sooner the better when it comes to pelvic challenges.
1: Welcome to the One Strong Mama podcast, the no BS show that's not afraid to get real about all things pregnancy, birth, postpartum and beyond. We're talking with visionaries who are challenging the status quo and changing the world one pregnancy and one birth at a time. I'm Lindsay McCoy, mom of four, exercise physiologist, doula and childbirth educator. My passion is making pregnancy, childbirth and recovery better. And I'm also passionate about coconut LaCroix.
2: And I'm Lauren Ohayan, a mom of three girls, lover of all things tropical. I have never had coconut LaCroix and I am known for my work with the core and pelvic floor.
1: We are so honored that you took some time out of your busy day to come along with us on this journey, whether you are hanging out, folding laundry, on a walk. I am so thankful that you took us along with you, so thank you. Today we are joined by Alicia Patterson, and she talks about her psychosomatic approach to pelvic health. She works with people with pelvic pain and dysfunction, and she takes an approach that I think we all could use a little more of. So pain and dysfunction is very complex and very multifaceted. And One piece of the puzzle that is often left out is what is going on with the brain and looking at that whole mind-body connection. So she talks to us about the idea of body armor, about the idea that our emotions can show up in our tissues. And she talks about how we can reconnect to our bodies in order to find greater healing and vitality. So the science is clear. This is not woo-woo. Our mind and our body are connected. So how can we work through both of those things together to come out on the other side of that journey with more vitality and greater wellness? And so I hope that you come through this episode with that greater understanding of what it looks like to carry our emotions and our trauma in our tissues and how we can work through that on the other side. I don't think there is a person in this world that doesn't have some issues with either shame or trauma or other things. We live in a world where there's just some stuff. And uh, Alicia helps us learn how we can begin working on our stuff better. So please enjoy After you've listened to this episode, please head over to our Instagram page, One Strong Mama Prenatal. Let us know what you thought. Let us know your questions. Let us know what else you want to be hearing from us on this podcast. Enjoy.
2: Alicia Patterson is a somatic psychotherapist and body worker. Alicia has been working in the healing self-awareness field for over 10 years. She now focuses her work in somatic counseling, embodiment and holistic public care speaking my language alicia has coined her own model of self inquiry and empowerment fusing therapeutic work pelvic floor therapy uterine and cervix healing organ energy medicine trauma-informed care perinatal psychology <laughs> developmental psychology oh my gosh this is amazing gender and sexual development emotional and spiritual permission and more Alicia works in person in Denver, Colorado, and remotely with people all over the world. That is quite the most amazing bio. So Alicia, thank you so much for being here with us. I am a huge fan of somatic work and embodiment, um, which I can't wait to dive into. So I would love for our audience to hear more about you and how you got into what it is that you do tell us
0: beautiful thank you so much um that's the first time i've heard that bio full like that so so <laughs> you are you impressed with yourself <laughs> I kind of Like wow oh, that's a lot you know when you're writing something it's different than the way it sounds
2: so and i was like there's a lot of commas in here that's impressive
0: yes yes and i do tend to run on so, so a bit of a run-on sentence there so um You know, I feel like healing professionals often have these different ways of getting into their work. And my personal story is that my pelvic healing journey was so parallel to my own process of my education and my professional development. So, you know, I've had my own history with pelvic health challenges and some trauma and a medical procedure. And as I was going through my graduate work in somatic psychology, which somatic psychology is just body-based therapy. It's the like body oriented approach to the psychology world. And I was really struggling in my early twenties and my life was kind of a mess in, on many levels. So I started to get into body-based type healing modalities and talk therapy never worked for me and it never really did anything for me. So when I found this body-based therapy approach, I was like, what is that? Like that, that is something for me to look into. And as soon as I started my training and getting my master's degree, I feel like my own pelvic healing journey was just so side by side, like my embodiment journey was so connected to me healing my pelvis and my feelings about womanhood and my sexuality. And then once I graduated and started doing my own pelvic floor therapy for my body within a couple sessions, I said, I have to add this into my work. And that was years ago. So I did more training. I went back to school. I did pelvic floor training with Tammy Kent. I did Mm. tons of research and studying online courses, reading books, all this stuff. And my career has just really blossomed and kind of taken off since I added this specialty and working with women in a, you know, really safe, but also emotionally inclusive way, just because they're seems to be the medical side of things. And then sometimes there's more energetic or spiritual, or some people would say woo woo, or the sacred sexuality world. And I really try to balance the two and work in a really anatomical, like safe consensual trauma informed way, but also include the emotional and the spiritual process. And that's my passion, my mission, my love. Um, has really altered my own life. And I I love my work and I love doing podcasts because I feel like it is such an accessible way to spread awareness of this field that's growing. Amazing. And yes,
2: Um, (laughs) period. So, you know, as you were speaking, I was like, yeah, I know what she means. Yep, yep, I get it. I get it. But I also work, and Lindsay does too, we We work with so many people who have been really, well, I don't know if they've been trained, but they've never been taught to connect in a somatic way to our body. That is not something that our culture um, encourages. Mm -hmm. And I think that that word can be very, very vague. And so when you were talking about, hmm, I can't remember, I wanted to write it down, um, but I didn't want to make noise you were kind of almost defining somatic psychology and you were saying it was of the body, but that's still a little vague. And as somebody who I pepper in somatic work into my work all the time without telling people that that's what I'm doing, I just sneak it in all the time. Um, I would love for you to be able to kind of help people have a more grounded idea of what you mean when you say somatic.
0: Absolutely, I'm so happy to elaborate on that. And, you know, it is a term that people use widely, so it can mean a lot of different things for different people. So um, I can give you a little bit of an overview and then just let you know, like how I use it and what I mean when I say it, because I do think that what I say could be something really different than what another therapist, especially who did a different type of program might say, um, So the somatic psychology world is still young. It is still something that is like a lot of people don't understand it or know what it's about. And, you know, the psychology world sometimes even will make it this like weird stepchild vibe and like you go Mm -hmm. over there. But I feel like it's, um, especially in the last 10 years, the neuroscience field has really opened up the awareness of the importance of how the body is influencing our emotional health, our brain chemistry, the impact that trauma has on our system. And so the way that I work with somatic psychology is a lot of education about the nervous system, about the brain, about how our brain communicates to our nervous system and our nervous system communicates back to our brain and just like straight up anatomy education. So I do, and a lot of this is from my massage training. So I've really brought in a lot more about the body since I became a body worker, which is so interesting because I really felt like my somatic psychology training gave me so many tools to work with people's emotions and to process and get into their developmental experiences and their their history with touch and their birth, you know, their birth story, like that's a big thing in the somatic psychology world. So, um, or giving birth, you know, if they've given birth, like what is the story and the patterns and the feelings there? But I felt like once I got into being a body worker and I love the blend of these fields, I started to be able to piece together how to work with people's psyche and their emotional patterns and their stories about their life and their family history and all these things that absolutely influence who we are and our behavior and our communication patterns and all that good stuff. And then starting to look at what is happening in their body, what's happening in their tissue. When I put my hand on their body and knowing where the organs are and what tissues do what, and what tissues respond when we're afraid or when we're collapsed and grieving or when we're pissed off and enraged has given me such an incredible foundation for how I work with my clients now. So the somatic psychology world is um, working with emotion in the body, working with mind-body connection uh, breath work is often something that people will bring in. My official title and my program that I did was dance movement therapy. So for me, dancing and moving, not in an exercise science way, but in a really conscious way, was what started to break up all my pelvic armoring and my like lack of movement and my own rigidity and the like armoring and frozenness that I had around my cervix, for example. So there are so many little subfields in the somatic psychology world and dance movement, and then a lot of um, body work and anatomical education and awareness and neuroscience is what I tend to focus on.
2: It's so interesting. I recently had a client who, and I wonder if this falls into the same definition, so I'm just trying to give like a concrete example for our listeners because again, I think we're very rooted in um, in a different way of oh, yeah we're, the rooted body. In, we're rooted
1: we're rooted in like the origin and the insertion of the muscle yeah. and you move it this way and it does this and you engage it this way and it does this and there's nothing wrong with that but we can't separate the mind and the body right we can't so we're missing a huge chunk when we're preparing for birth or, you know, fixing, you know, healing our pelvic floor, We're missing a huge chunk if we don't address the trauma and the mind body and the neuroscience and all that. So anyway, Lauren, continue.
2: Yeah. Well, I think also back to that, Lindsay, um, and I'd love to hear what Alicia thinks, but the language we use with our clients is critical. Mm-hmm. And so many of our clients are, you know, coming to us with, I'm broken. I'm beyond help. I just got an email last night. I'm 69 years old, and I think I'm beyond help. I had a hysterectomy to work on my prolapse, but now I have a complete vaginal vault prolapse. All the doctors told me that I should just suck it up and live with it. Those words, because we know about neuroscience, and Alicia, I'd love for you to kind of give some examples, Um, because I do a lot of reading into placebo and nocebo effect, and I have Mm -hmm. a thousand examples that I use with my clients, but. The words that we believe about ourselves are very much, and not in a woo way, but in a very neuroscience based Mm -hmm. in research way, like they are really um, indicative of like how we will heal. I'm curious about your approach with that. And I'll save my story for later, but because we went off to a different convo. But can you talk (laughs) about that, Alicia? Kind of like the, you know, the container that we believe ourselves to be living in and the impact of that
0: absolutely yeah this is something that i do work on with people all the time and um you know some of my own research into like one of my favorite books and how they talk about this is a headache in the pelvis and they really they go is that the
2: name of the book
0: yes a headache in the pelvis i can't remember the authors
2: Um, i love that i will look it up. in the show notes yeah Yeah. i'll look it up now i have my little book tower here i've got it. it It's written by, it's so funny, I see the book, but no author, that's weird, of course. I think it's that's David something. something. Yes, David Wise. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you know, they're really coming from more
0: like a chronic pain, pelvic pain, but mm-hmm. uh, like considering the mental and emotional relationship type lens. And I love how they talk about the stories and the types of thoughts that we believe and what they see across many, many different clients and patients who have pelvic pain. And, and I see this all the time. I'm just thinking of someone I was working with yesterday where, you know, it's such a hard paradox because we don't wanna tell ourselves like, I feel amazing when I'm feeling intense pain all the time. Right, so right not helpful. And that could kind of bypass or minimize our reality. But we also don't want to spiral down the I'm broken, and I'm just so messed up forever. You know, I really feel like that does create patterns. And my take about the neuroscience piece, and I'm always just coming back to making it palatable and accessible and digestible for people that our neurons and our synapses, which is what makes up our brain activity, those parts and like the dialogue of our brain communicates with our nerves and our nerves are fusing our tissues. You know, our nervous system is electricity in the body and it's saying, do this, feel this. And then our nervous system is communicating back to our brain. Mm -hmm. So if we are thinking, um, I'm broken, I'm always gonna feel this way. I just need to accept that whatever I'm feeling is how it's always gonna be. I believe that our body is not as nuanced as our mind. I believe that our body is like, okay, I'm gonna be X, Y, Z, forever. Like, okay, you're telling me, you know, I'm this, so that's what I'm gonna be. And that just starts to groove more and more solidified patterns, which is why when I work with people that have had, you know, 30 plus years of really chronic, really long-term, maybe a little relief, but then big setbacks and they just feel like, you know, like they feel so lost and it really takes time to start to unwind that. If you think about 30 years of one pattern in the mind and the body, and then you've been doing conscious work with it for a year or six months or two years or whatever, the correlation between that amount of time, it's like we're still like babies in Mm -hmm. terms of this healing and growing process. And that, I've seen that in my own body. I had a procedure on my cervix when I was way too young to know the impact and ask all the important questions. And it's been over 10 years later, And I still work with some patterns around it. I still work with the stories I tell myself, but I've come so far in how I used to shame myself about it or how I used to um, shut down when anybody would ask me or like stuff with my partner was so challenging. And so it's been such a journey and it's not like I'm going to erase the reality that I do have some patterns on one area of my cervix and sometimes it's uncomfortable, but that story is so different than the contracted place I started in. And I just always talk to people about how do we allow ourselves to have a varied story. And to allow that story to start to break up is so vulnerable. It can be so, so tender for people. It's almost like I'd rather stay in that contracted story mm-hmm. than feel the vulnerability of wondering if my body will change and what that will look like. And, you know, and surgeries and long-term patterns, like that's no joke. That is something that really needs to be loved and cared for and um body armor is something that i talk about a lot with clients and that's like one of the kind of psychosomatic approaches is how to work with body armor and tissue and the way emotion shows up in that and there's so many cycles that happens with that body armor transformation and i'm happy to go into that if you yeah, want to Yeah tell us so what ahead. i don't
1: tell us what body armor is like define uh-huh. it
0: Yeah. So again, this is a widely used term. So this is the way that I explain it and what I've seen in my practice. But if you hear someone else talk about body armor, they might be saying something kind of different. So this is what I've noticed after years of working with clients and um, bringing in the kind of psychological piece around it. And I often find that there's a wide spectrum of tissue quality and this can happen in our nerves So like when I'm doing pelvic floor therapy, I'm directly touching a nerve. There's no skin barrier. It's so amazing to feel a nerve conduction, like what's happening in an actual nerve right against my finger. I'm sorry, there was a loud car that just went by. Um, So, you know, on one end of the continuum, and sometimes people come in in different places on the spectrum. So it's not like it always looks the same, but there are phenomenons that I've noticed and that I've heard a lot of different systems talk about. So on one end of the extreme is like numb or disconnected, or like there's a kind of frozenness to the tissue. And I often feel that, for example, with the nervous system, with this like wired, very taut, like the nerve feels like a metal coil. You know, those metal ropey coils and they're like so kind of hardened, but they're they're still nerves, you know, and I really believe that nerves can wake up. I think that there's a huge discussion about that and the kind of neurological nervous system healing world about can dead nerves awaken and heal. And I really feel like I'm on the yes side of that just because of what I have felt happen in nerves through my work. So if a nerve or a muscle or an organ or a blood vessel all these patterns show up in different ways in different parts of us is frozen and super taut and numb and like very, very rigid kind of to the point of not feeling. And the more extreme version of that is dissociation, which is where someone feels like they're out of their body, like they're in a corner of the room watching what's happening to their body. And that is like a whole thing that I think mm-hmm. really needs to be worked with and addressed before we just start doing really intensive kind of manipulative, aggressive work with the body. I just feel like I always have to mention that because of yeah. people's trauma histories. Um, but once someone is connected enough to their body to feel like, I know your hand is there, but I can't feel anything. Or like, I know that something is happening, but I have nothing. Like, or I feel numb and numb is a feeling. It's just a certain kind of feeling. And it's hard to stick with that. You know, I hear people so much like that's boring or like, why would I want to sit with that? Or um, it's disturbing, like it's a strange experience to know that you're being touched, but to not feel. So if we imagine that as like a really tight fist or an ice cube, and frozenness is a trauma response in the body you know freeze is one of the more extreme trauma responses and when our system starts to get frozen we want to put compassionate warm loving attention onto that feeling so i literally with my hands and i envision that we're putting this warm loving kind of attuned hand onto that frozen pattern And I'm not digging, I'm not like aggressing against the body and saying you need to change. And I'm also not just going to go away. So we're just, we're giving a lot of permission and love. And sometimes it takes extended time and sometimes it can be quite quick where that frozen quality of the body will start to open up. And if you imagine like a really tight hand that starts to stretch itself a little bit, And once that happens, the tissue or the feeling will often turn into pain. It's not always that way, but it's pretty common that then it will get really uncomfortable or it will burn or it will feel like there's a lot of tension or they start to feel like, whoa, there's rigidity there. And that also doesn't feel good, right? It's like, we also don't really like to sit with that. That could be painful and literally it's painful in the body. Um, It can be painful in the mind and so often I feel like it took me like years to learn this in my own healing journey that just breathing with it and allowing the body to start to do what it needs to do is the process like that is the work. And for years I felt like I was just resisting and like bracing against it and that just made the tension worse. It was just reinforcing that pattern and we don't want to override ourselves. We don't want to be like recapitulating a traumatic, painful experience. So, you know, I always talk about people with titrating between resourcing and having some relief and maybe like taking a little break and then coming back to the discomfort. So we want it to be tolerable, but we want to be able to breathe with tension and pain. Mm. Oftentimes the kind of therapeutic aspect of this work that Um, I find a lot of people feel like they don't have permission for in the medical system is the emotional piece. And so again, it's hard to sit with pain or discomfort. It's like, I'd rather not feel that I'd rather think about something else. I'd rather do something else. I'd rather ignore and push it away but we know if we do that, usually things don't just get better magically on their own, especially in the pelvis for whatever reason. It seems like the longer we wait and the more we push it away, it just kind of um, gets more and more chronic and like it solidifies in its pattern. And then we try to address it down the road and it gets even harder. So I always tell people like the sooner the better when it comes to pelvic challenges. So. Once we sit with pain and tension and we start to breathe with that, it's really amazing to feel the quality of how emotion, and for me, emotion is just energy in motion. Our hormones are like the rivers in our body and our hormones and our nerve conduction is influencing what we feel emotionally. So emotion can start to move when we sit with all of these really uncomfortable numb or rigid or tense feelings. So sometimes a lot of heat will come through in the tissue and that could be inflammation. It could be heat that's just stuck and it needs to be liberated. I don't believe that heat is a problem in the body unless it gets stuck and then it can become problematic, especially if it's been left for many years. And oftentimes people will get so pissed off, like they will feel enraged and there's this heat moving through their tissue and permission to feel rage is so palpable and like so transformative, especially with the female clients that I work with. It's like, it's one of the biggest, um, most challenging for most women that I find to surrender to that and to be in another person's presence in that and to not hold it back or shut it down or be like, I'm afraid I'm going to hurt you or you know, I'm afraid I'm gonna hurt myself or all of this stuff can start to come up. And all of the other uh, kind of contracted emotional experiences like shame is a big one. A lot of shame comes up for people with this area of their body, guilt and a sadness. I don't feel that sadness or grief is really contracted. I feel like that opens the channels for the body to express but a lot of emotion will start to move for people when we just give time to the tissue patterns. And I work very slowly. So I think I work uh, quite differently than a lot of physical therapists where I'm like just holding contact on a tissue for minutes without moving my hand. So we really allow the body to start to open up and express whatever needs to be said. And from there, Again, it can be challenging to sit with that. A lot of people I think have, I certainly did, had a real hard time allowing myself to cry through my session or allowing myself to just be so pissed and feel like, did I do something wrong? And is my practitioner going to say, I can't come back? And like all that kind of stuff that can just start to play out in our minds because of our conditioning around certain emotions through our upbringing, usually, from teachers and parents and religion and all that stuff. So once we get through that whole spectrum, which is a real journey, I wish we could just come in at numbness and skip over to feeling vitality and warmth, but it usually doesn't really work that way. We have to go through in order to really come out on the other side. But once we sit with wherever we need to be through that whole kind of spectrum I just talked about, That's usually where vitality and warmth and like tingling and life and regulated pulsing. Like sometimes I will feel a nerve or a blood vessel and it's just freaking out. It's like using my hand as a punching bag. It's like, boom, 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 you know, rapid pulsing, really hot temperature or um, kind of cool and like hypotone and almost feels a little checked out and not present so, we want to allow all of that to regulate through this process. And then our body starts to be like vital, you know, all the sensations connected with vitality, um, strength and flexibility and tone, but the ability to relax and softness and the feeling I get when I'm running my hand through fascia that's really open and like so responsive. It's not tense, but it's also not like there's nothing there, you know, sometimes I'll run my hand through a space and I feel like there's nothing there. It feels like this like black hole feeling. When those spaces start to fill and they are like vibrantly just doing, they're like in their full bloom, you know, they're thriving. It feels like glitter gel, that's my metaphor. I feel like I'm running my hand through glitter gel. It's like sparkly and it's so incredible. I feel like I can cry about it when I talk about that. And that's when people feel love and relief and bliss and ecstasy and oneness and just happiness, you know, contentness with their body and their life. And that spectrum, we can move through that spectrum in one minute. We can move through that spectrum in over the course of years. We move through that spectrum over the course of our lifetime in some ways, So I feel like there's these micro macro cycles that get worked through with body armor and it can really interact with our psyche and our brain and our story. And like, this is the story of what happened to me. And I love working with that, not just the body pattern, not just the story, but how they meet. And that's been my biggest transformational experience with this work is my story and what showed up in my body after a sexual assault and then having this procedure on my cervix when I had the precancerous shell, cells show up which is what so many people go through through the HPV journey you know that's just like one example and that was my example and that's what got me into pelvic healing so I'm Kind of grateful for that experience in a way because it introduced me to this layer of depth and who knows if i would have gone toward this healing work if i didn't have some real challenges that i needed to work through
1: this episode is brought to you by the one strong mama program the game changing prenatal and postnatal program that prepares the body for pregnancy birth and beyond based on the body ready method teaching birth and fitness pros how to assess and train prenatal clients go to onestrongmama.com to learn more what I love is
2: how each of us um, first of all thank you for sharing that body of work very interesting mm-hmm. um, so I had HPV as well mm-hmm. and or should we say have because I understand it's a virus that doesn't go away um, mm-hmm. and I also had the uh, I had a cone biopsy and I also had a third of my cervix removed. I don't know what you had, but that's what I had. Mm -hmm. And I then, um, got pregnant six weeks later Mm -hmm. after being told not to get pregnant for at least six months, got pregnant with my third six weeks later. And, um, I, I was told, (laughs) of course, I was like headed to Paris with my partner for a romantic weekend and the doctor was like, this, these were his words. Do you want a dead baby falling out of you at the Eiffel tower? Oh my God. If you don't, you shouldn't be going to France. Um, And but but my point is and and I went, of course, I was like the nonconformist in me was like, and you can fuck yourself. <laughs> Watch this. Lauren, say that. What? I know. I know <laughs> to the OB. Um and to the surgeon. And so I um I did go to France and I and then and then the pregnancy did have a, a bunch of complications. The the placenta glued itself to the scar and I was scheduled for a C section, even though I wanted a home birth and at that point, I also said, fuck you to everyone. And I stopped monitoring my pregnancy and decided I was having a home birth no matter what happened. At 32 weeks, I was told, don't travel because with placenta previa, that's where you hemorrhage. So I went to Tulum and the hospital was two hours away. Anyway, I ended <laughs> up having, I ended up getting what I needed and having a home birth, but This is not to say do uh, what Lauren no, does. No, <laughs> no, by no means do what I do. Um, but, my, but you know, it's interesting because I, and then my birth was really, really hard because of all the scar tissue and it was awful. I won't even go into that story, but I did have a home birth, but it was literally like the most awful experience um, due to all the scar tissue. So, but it's interesting because I walked away and you might disagree with me, but I really walked away with no trauma. Like I just walked away and I was like, okay. And I've had my cervix poked 10,000 times since. And even before that, like starting at 18, they they found abnormal cells. So, you know, I've had my cervix poked and shredded and picked at. And last year, a doctor decided to biopsy without any anesthesia. Um, So I've had my fair share of like what one would call trauma. But it's interesting because as a human, I haven't walked away with, trauma around it. Now you might be like, well, you probably have trauma and you're just stuffing it down, but I don't actually stuff a lot down. <laughs> I pretty, so It. I, I do love hearing your story because it's always this reminder that one person's journey is not the next person's journey and right. that we're all so unique in how we handle the experiences that come our way. And um, and we need to honor and really respect that because I think that there is a strong cookie cutter approach to women's health Mm -hmm. and it just makes these assumptions. Um, You know, I think my approach in life is always to question everyone. So when the doctors say to me, you will this and you will that, and you will have my immediate reaction is, and you will fuck yourself until I decide (laughs) that I am doing that. And, you know, but had I been a different person, I would have had a different reaction to all of that. Right. Like we just come into things so different. And I think that when we're working with people in this field, we need to take a big step back and assume that not everyone is having our reaction. Absolutely. that all of these reactions are so valid. And so- You know, um, Lauren, that
1: reminds me of um, why I never, you know, I go to a lot of births. I never, I ask people in the postpartum to tell me about their birth and tell Mm -hmm. me about their experience, Mm -hmm. even though I was there, because there's been, I can think of some of the hardest births that I've ever been to. And I go to that postpartum visit and I ask them how it went and they're like, that was amazing. You were amazing. Everyone was so supportive. I felt so they didn't, they didn't see the trauma that I felt from their birth, but then I'll go to a birth that to me, I'm like, oh, that one was pretty, you know, quick and easy. And then that person had trauma as a result of whatever. Absolutely. So It's all about our perceptions of
2: our story. Well, then I made sure not to tell anyone about my uh, placenta previa because I didn't want to hear it. I don't want to hear what you think is going to happen to me. Like, oh, poor you, or you're going to have a C-section. Oh, that's, I don't want to hear that because I knew already what I was doing about it all. But um, Alicia, back to you, I'm, you know, I, from your story, I'm hearing that the area that you're drawn to is trauma and healing. And I'm wondering what about the clients who, Don't necessarily, so they are definitely like a pelvic floor client, but Mm -hmm. they don't carry all the emotional stuff around it, right? Like maybe their attitude and approach is just a little different, not better, Mm -hmm. not more healthy, just different. Like they just kind of like, so then is the process the same? Like I always wonder, and this is going to sound wrong, so forgive me, but I always wonder if, like, again, we approach things so much from our own. Experience sometimes that it's like I've been accused of being an ableist, Lindsay and I were accused because our attitude is so much about like not that you should have a positive attitude but like you don't have to be your story right you don't have to you don't have to sink back into you don't have to lean into that story you can actually create a different story and um we've both been accused of being ableist as a result, and so I'm just wondering like with your approach and you've had this like profound healing journey Mm -hmm. do you are you skewed to believe that everyone needs pelvic floor therapy because they're emotionally in need do you see what i'm saying like do you feel like your work is skewed that way or are you able to kind of step back
0: yeah that's a great question um i love that you're bringing this up because i definitely i can relate in my own way of you know when someone has come toward me and they'll tell me a story of something that they've been through. And then what I feel in their body, like I do catch myself, like having some kind of expectation of what Mm -hmm. will be there. And then it's Uh like totally different. I'm like, okay, okay. So, you know, I really need to work with um, just that, like being so extremely clear and kind of, you know, not projecting or having all, and the good news is since I'm a therapist, I, do know how to practice working with that and really containing and putting that to the side so that I can be just present with what's happening for someone. Um, I do think that most people that are drawn to me, they, it's not that everybody has the trauma and that's what they want to address. But I think because I am a therapist, I have this Hmm. um, combination of skills where I do see more people that feel like they want to address some kind of imprint that mm-hmm. they feel is traumatic and mm-hmm. they want to see someone who has the therapeutic training in order to hold that for
2: them. Oh yeah, I have like 10 clients that I'm going to email after I get off the phone. <laughs> well, <laughs> like, here's the thing though, I'm isn't it like the person isn't it for like you.
1: One in 3, I can't remember the exact stat, maybe one in 3 have of uh, women have been sex- sexually abused. Or experience sexual trauma Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. and our pelvic floor and our pelvis can be a really scary place like you were talking when you were talking about numbness I'm thinking how many you know how many births I go to statistically how many of those people have experienced trauma Mm -hmm. or if you're a pelvic PT and maybe not as experienced in the somatic stuff just realizing how much of people's stories may be in their pelvis oh, or if absolutely. you're an OB or a labor and delivery nurse, like just having that awareness and that gentleness. Cause I feel like so much of this work, especially during pregnancy is like not informed, not trauma informed at all. They don't, like, they don't say like, they don't say like they don't even phrase things right. It's like, I'm gonna check you now. I'm gonna strip your membranes now. I'm going to mm-hmm. break mm-hmm. your water now. And it's like a lot of, you know, I've seen doctors put their hands and vigorously massage someone's perineum with very little consent. Mm-hmm. And I wonder like, how are we able to let go enough to give birth when there's, a you know, we're on our backs with a spotlight down there and five people in the room that we don't know like it's just it can be so traumatic so I think what you're talking about is just amazing for I'm just thinking pregnancy because that's what we talk about so much like Mm -hmm. if pregnant people are aware of maybe the trauma in their past or the stories that they're holding in their pelvis how unraveling that during your pregnancy can feel really hard but how transformative that can be going into your birth and postpartum journey. Right. So so do you work with pregnant people at all or what's your experience around?
0: Yeah, so um I am trained as a birth doula. I did some doula work years ago Love before it. I like really built up my practice and I had space and um I've done a a good bit of work around my own birth and being in the room with birth, and then working my own birth story and really looking into prenatal and perinatal psychology, which is like its own universe. uh, Sure. Has really, really helped me in how I do orient working with people around birth. So I don't work with pregnant people. Um, just because of the training I did, there was a contraindication around doing internal work when someone is pregnant. Got it. And I've worked with plenty of people in their postpartum journey, or they're like, you know, usually when the child is three to five, I feel like that's when people's realization that they might want to address their experience of giving birth starts to come alive. And I have not had children myself. So I always tell people, like, I love working with people around the birthing themes, and I haven't had that experience in my own body. And if they need that, you know, then they should see someone that has gone through that birthing journey. But I definitely think that it's so big and it's so important and it's huge for people. And it's all over the map, you know, just like you're saying that um, my beef with therapists is that it doesn't always have to be all about the trauma and sometimes it is and sometimes it's not. And I think that, you know, holding that open perspective, like I'm thinking of this older woman I had a couple sessions with and she had given birth and it was, you know, 40 years ago. And she was like, I can't even believe that this is available. Like you can't, you know, you have no idea what my experience was like having children and I'm just having a little bit of bladder leakage. You know, I don't need the whole thing. (laughs) I just want to work on this one symptom. And I was like, great. So cool. And you know, her body was so healthy and so resilient and her mental and emotional process around it. I was just so impressed with, how she navigated the whole thing. And then she experienced great relief from just, you know, working with helping the bladder, like really sit back up and having her feel that like I'm supported and I can do this. And then teaching her just a little bit about some toning exercises. It was so simple and it can absolutely be like that. It doesn't always have to be this, you know, my own journey absolutely influences how I think about it. And I really try to check myself around that because I wanted to be a practitioner too. So I did years of intensive work with a practitioner for myself because I wanted to learn all the things, but it's not always going to be like that for everybody. And for some people it is like, you know, just a little more clear, like this is a part of my body and this is what I need. And It might be like a short, um, really helpful experience, not necessarily super emotional or big trauma resolution. And my dream is just that this is more accessible for the whole spectrum and that people know that there are tools. And I mean, when I just found out about internal work, I was like, that's a thing, you know, like I didn't even know how to conceptualize it. And I was young and I, I didn't even put together that I had had this procedure and that like, maybe I would want to work on that scar tissue until I was knee deep into my sessions. So I just think that it's such a, um, it is taboo and it shouldn't be, you know, this should be available like any other kinds of healthcare is available. And the experiences that we have in the medical system are sometimes so strange and like, psychologically, it's just so confusing for me. Like, why would someone talk to me like that? Like, do I want them to now be my medical provider? You know, it's just such a, it's especially in the United States.
1: Yeah. We're very used to,
0: yeah,
1: we're very used to, you know, here's a pill. Here's a, you know, we want the quick fixes and this is a, what you do is just very different than what most people are used to. Most people don't maybe not most people but a lot of people don't want to do the work they don't want to do the inner work i live in the midwest where i think the tendency is to kind of close off your emotions a little bit like like you were saying with anger w- like women don't always feel safe feeling the negative emotions anger shame even mm-hmm. sadness like we I don't know. It's like the the Minnesota nice is like not necessarily a good thing. It's, it's like all of us just being in our little boxes and not being willing to experience the full ranges of emotions that we need to find healing. So I think just people hearing what your work is versus maybe what they've experienced in the medical world, I think is really important to hear like, there's more, there can be more Right. We need to sometimes look at things from a different lens and a more holistic lens.
0: For sure. I mean, I really I grew up on the East Coast where, you know, there's like all these different subcultures in the United States. Pretty conservative, kind of traditional, no exposure to anything holistic. So then when I decided to move out to Colorado, move to the hippie town of Boulder and Mm -hmm. do this program that like there's only two in the country and you know all this stuff around like what is that going to mean for my career and my life and it but i still i had all of these patterns in my body and around my health and you know i had taken so much medication in my life and for good reason you know i'm not like yeah there's a time and a
1: place for all that of course
0: yeah for sure the I don't want to smash the medical system. I just no. want us all to understand that there is more available if we want to explore something else. And I mean, around surgeries and stuff, I never tell people like, like never think about that. I'm just like, what are the questions and what are the side effects and what will you be dealing with after? And you know, like how do we do informed consent and make sure that we're really prepared for what we're signing the papers for? And when I first heard about internal work, so my first pelvic healing experience was a uterine massage with the Arvivo mm. work. Mm-hmm. Yes. It was so wild for me how emotional it was. Cause I went in for cramping. I was like, I'm having really challenging menstrual cramping. Here's this new modality I heard of. I want to try this out. And I was very unprepared for the, I felt like I got smacked in my face by an emotional process. And I was talking to my therapist about it and she asked me if I was doing internal work and I had this incredible shame. Like I was like, no, like, how dare you ask me that? You know, it was mm. so funny to me that all those years ago I just had such judgment and lack of awareness. and like, I couldn't even tolerate being talked to about that modality. And then years later here I am and I'm a practitioner. I'm trying to normalize it and let people know that there is a way to do it in a way that is accessible and safe and also emotionally permissive if they want that. And I had wild things move through my body. I had, um, you know, the fascial opening for me is one of the most interesting kind of nuanced, like a little mysterious ways about this work because our fascia runs through our whole system without being disconnected you know, like different muscles attach and they're in different spaces and they're, they're all connected, of course, but fascia is like jelly. It's just filling our whole body. So I loved this article I read about fascia being the human consciousness of our Mm -hmm. system because there's no separation. Like it really is. It's every part of our fascia is connected. It's like a pool. Mm -hmm. So when I did my pelvic floor work, I had this really wild, experience of, I felt like all of the imprints in my system around medication and anesthesia moved out through my mouth. Mm -hmm. Like I had the two months Mm -hmm. where I had this pilly, metallic-y, like disgusting feeling and taste in my mouth. And I was like, what is going on here? Like all the dental work I've had done. I just felt like my fascial system was letting go of a lot of synthetic contents and then it just passed you know it just resolved itself and i didn't have that taste ever again so i don't think that there's pressure or a need to like always do that way but i do feel like i just feel so much more clear in my system that i'm not like numbed out and i'm dealing with life now instead of dealing with life with having this like backlog of all this old confusing stuff that I was like, like something's influencing my behavior and my relationships and how I'm showing up in the world and I'm a therapist, right? So of course I believe in it. So working with all of that through my body has, that's my experience of somatic psychology and like transformational body work but I also think that it doesn't always have to be like that, you know, like that is my story, but I work with so many people that have really different stories and how they're processing their life experience. And I think that our way of, um, you know, our minds in the United States and in the more developed Western world is just more linear and we like everything to be Mm -hmm. like, it makes sense. And it's like, this is this, and this means this. And, if you have this, then of course you're going to have this. And, you know, A plus B plus C, it must equal this. And we are such different bodies and we have different lineages and we have different DNA. And especially with what we're going through in this country right now, I feel like the permission to be in process around that is quite scary for like the masses of people having resources to work with all of this right now. It's like, uh, I mean, look at what's happening to our world, right? It's like, there's just so much intensity and complexity around everything that we're talking about. And I really associate the root with fear. I read this incredible book called emotional anatomy. Some of the most interesting Um, emotional illustrations of what this man perceives happens in the body around different emotions. Mm -hmm. And that when our, when we're afraid our core pulls up and in. So it pulls our floor up and in. And my body type is kind of like the rigid. I had a lot of anxiety growing up and into my twenties. And I felt like I was just this like all in my upper body like anxious kind of not panicky but like close to feeling like that can't breathe panic attack feeling and when I did my pelvic floor and root work all of my experiences around anxiety and having too much energy in my upper body I felt like that fear pattern just really shifted and I was finally able to sit down into my root and like walk through the world and feel safer and feel connected and feel grounded and i had never had an experience of feeling grounded in my life i would hear people talk about feeling grounded or feeling connected to the earth and i was like say what like i guess that's just not available to me you know i just always assumed that that was something that my body would never have and then i did and so the the connections and the emotion and the way that our tissues work And the structures of our body and our life experiences and our development is just one of the most uh, complex and deep and like always shifting and changing because that's how life is. It's just so interesting to me. So that's why I love talking with you all about it and your, your experiences around your own body and birth and, you know, everything you're sharing, I just feel like is so it's so great for people to just hear other women talking about it.
2: Yeah, I agree. I think that also, no matter whether, again, whether I want to bring this back to the, like, is trauma part of your story? Like, you know, because I think that whether trauma is or is not part of your story, what you cannot deny, I mean, you can, Mm -hmm. but then if you do the research, you'll see that the research is there is that, it, in a very non-woo way, but in a very scientific way, what happens in our brain affects our body, period. 100%. So, like, and they've done the studies. I call upon so many scientific studies when I talk to people about this because I'm very cautious. We have a strong base of people who are very religious in many ways. So I have to be like grounded and not always grounded in what's been studied but like i like i like having a grounded place from which i talk about these things i like it Mm -hmm. and um and the studies are so incredible about the the role that our conditioning our expectation and our experiences have and what people tell us have on our on our body i mean there's studies where where they did like these nocebo effect studies and they told one group of men they would get, most likely get erectile dysfunction from this heart medicine. And then the other group was not told that and that one group got erectile dysfunction. I mean, it's just fascinating. There's so many stories about this like, and you cannot separate those two. And so no matter what you're working on or through, like when people come to me with dealing with their diastasis or their pelvic floor or Lindsay and I to help stack the cards in their favor, we're not, again, none of it is spot treatment, right? And we're talking about a process that honors that connection between your body and your mind. And I, I appreciate as you're talking about this with yourself, how you couldn't understand feeling grounded until you had this very powerful kind of somatic way in. Mm-hmm. And I think most people really benefit from a somatic, like, again, whether you've dealt with trauma or not, many, many people can benefit from having a way into their body that makes them a partner in their body. And I right. think that like becoming that partner in your body is critical when you are occupying a body (laughs) whatever it is that you're dealing with in your life like being partner to your body is and i don't mean like check off that you went to the gym this morning right Mm -hmm. but like truly just having this empowered relationship with your body is so important so i deeply appreciate the work that you are doing with your clientele because i think that all humans can benefit from that yeah and how wonderful that you've chosen this kind of group of people that can a thousand percent benefit so we have to wrap it up we're nearing towards one o'clock um i mean that we're near it is one o'clock for me but we're near <laughs> towards the end of our mm-hmm. our block of time together i would love to know because i have so many clients that i would love to send to you but i would love to know like where can people find you and how can people find you and um like do you do remote work like, a is this work effective remote as well um and let's wrap it up kind of just like talking about how people can connect to you.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Um, So I do work remotely and it's different. You know, of course, we're not going to be doing hands on work, but I work with a lot of people in different areas where either they don't have access to a physical therapist or maybe they do have a PT Um, but they want to work with someone around the emotional and the psychological process that they're having around their body journey. So I do online work, um, you know, and it always depends on like what is the situation and what are the circumstances of the symptoms and do, you know, of course, like if I really think that I can be of service and help that I love doing that. And I do work in person in Denver. So I have a certain way of working with people, like I do extended sessions so we're not rushed and um, all this stuff. So the best way to find me is to look on my website that has more information about working with me and my training and my resources. My website is alishanpatterson.com. And my Facebook page has many videos if people just want to listen to more and check it out then a Facebook, my Facebook page is Your Inner Power with Alicia Patterson is great for video content and lots of different topics. And the last piece I wanted to just leave about trauma is that it can sometimes be intense and severe. And I think that that's what people think about when they hear that word. Mm -hmm. But It could also be something small, like you fell on your tailbone when you were a teenager and now you have some tailbone pain. And the chiropractor just isn't addressing it it's like it's not getting to it mm-hmm. so pelvic trauma can mean a lot of different things and i think of trauma as something that impacts our vitality so right. sometimes yes it is uh sexual abuse or a violent rape or a surgery and i think that that's what people think of mm-hmm. but it could be a lot of other things that aren't like those stereotypical like really intense events and just something that is impacting you and there's no shame about looking into getting some support and
2: addressing it amazing so true i completely agree with that mm-hmm. it's been so wonderful talking to you i don't feel like we necessarily took it to the place where sometimes we were like so what do you want the birth worker to know but i think that that's really inferred and so i feel and really And this is
1: comfortable. really yeah and it's really important for birth workers pelvic floor, physical therapists, nurses, birthing people, humans. Like we need to hear about this stuff. We need to hear that there's other ways of addressing whatever you're going through. Mm -hmm. So yeah. Thank you.
0: Thank you. And I just want to say, I love when people write to me. So I still get notes from a podcast I did years ago and I adore that. So if people want to write to me or, just, you know, whatever, reach out. I'm so happy to receive that. And I I just love knowing that people have access to more conversation about it. So I really appreciate you hosting me.
2: Mm, That's so generous of you. Thank you for putting that out there. We loved speaking with you and we should definitely do a follow-up because I feel like this conversation (laughs) is like one that could go on for hours. So thank you again for joining us. Thank you. Thank you all for listening to the One Strong Mama podcast for birth professionals. If you haven't already, please leave us a rating and a review. We really do appreciate all of the support. If you are a birth worker with an inspiring client or if you have a birth pro in mind that we should definitely chat with, please email us at podcast at onestrongmama.com. Also make sure to follow us on Instagram at onestrongmama prenatal for tips for all stages of pregnancy and definitely join in on the discussion in the One Strong Mama Facebook community group. See you here next time.
1: This episode is brought to you by the One Strong Mama program, the game-changing prenatal and postnatal program that prepares the body for pregnancy, birth, and beyond. Based on the body-ready method, teaching birth and fitness pros how to assess and train prenatal clients. Go to onestrongmama.com to learn more.